Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond Fireside Chats. Hello and welcome to Leave Our World a Better Place. My name is Kasia and today I'm speaking to Vernon Swanepoel, Activities Manager at NB Yonsos' Flay Desert Lodge. Welcome, Vernon. Thank you, Kasia. Vernon, you've been at Sauces Flay, well, you've been in Namibia for more than 20 years and you were at Sauces Flay Desert Lodge back sort of at the beginning when it was all happening. And one of the things that that took place at the lodge and that has been developed during that time was stargazing. The lodge has a fully equipped observatory and resident astronomers that come in and work with the guests and explore the night skies with them. Let's chat a little bit about how that all came about and the history of stargazing at Sosses Flay. Sure. When did it all begin? Has and beyond Sosses Flay Desert Lodge always had an observatory? Was it part of the plans from the beginning? They've had the observatory since the lodge opened. It wasn't part of the original plan, but in the in the build up to the mm-hmm. initial opening, uh, they'd hired a manager who had uh, had experience here in the desert, and just you know back then he was running what was then the only lodge, and a lot of astronomy groups were coming out, and so he'd built up his interest in astronomy just because of this being a site that that mm-hmm. southern Southern African astronomers were coming to. And so it was his idea to, you know, he he sort of asked, you know, can we get a little telescope uh, when we open the lodge? And so they said, well, let's let's go bigger. Let's let's build a whole little observatory. So so it was part of the lodge from the get go. Yes, and it really it's just sort of taken off from there. It, initially, it was uh, um, the the managers and the guides and so on running it. Uh, you know, the early years of the lodge, we had low occupancies and it was manageable. Uh, but mm-hmm. eventually we found that it was just too much for, for the staff on site to to be doing astronomy till two o'clock in the morning. It, we also, you know, found that guests were far more interested than initially anticipated, I think. Sitting there until two o'clock in the morning, it certainly sounds as though that's something that that took off very, very quickly. What is it that makes... The Name brand and Sosses Flay in particular is such a great destination for stargazing. Obviously, there's something there that's pretty special. Yeah, there there are there are a number of factors. The the most obvious being that we're in a desert, and so we just have less clouds in the way. Um, there are quite a number of far less obvious factors. The one thing is, compared to most deserts, because we're sitting right by this big dune field, which you think would be a problem, dunes don't have dust. Dunes are essentially a sorting of a certain sand size particle. And so you don't get much material in the air. So there's very little dust in the air compared to most deserts. Uh, we are at relatively high altitude. We're over, over 900 meters above sea level. So, so that helps, you know, the less atmosphere above your head, every little bit gives you a little bit more clarity. So a lot of people mm-hmm. who are into astronomy uh, will do their astronomy on, on mountaintops or hills or whatever to try to get some elevation. So we have that advantage. We're certainly not the highest place in, in Namibia, but it helps. And then we have, you know, aside from that, we, we're looking at the southern sky. So for the vast majority of our guests coming from the northern hemisphere, particularly people that are that are really interested in astronomy, this is mm-hmm. a side of the world where there are 
you know, stars and, and um, objects in the sky, which they don't get to see from, from the northern part of the world. Mm. And do you find that you have a lot of guests who come specifically to experience the night sky? Or is that only one of the sort of many factors that that they would look at when deciding to travel? There, there are certainly many people for whom it is one of the attractions. The guests who are just coming here because of the astronomy are, mm-hmm. are in the minority, but it certainly plays a factor. And, and, you know, just judging by the number of guests that will come up. The one thing that I would mm-hmm. say is there's kind of three categories of guest interest, if you would, as far as astronomy. You know, you have some guests that are that are kind of the stargazing, you know, where where the interest is just yes. wow, it's beautiful. The, the, you know, it really is strikingly beautiful when when the sky is is at its best. Here we can see stars virtually right down to the horizon, so the clarity is incredible. And you just have you know, if you have the whole Milky Way, it's really beautiful. So some some people just love that. And then you get some people that are, they're actually astronomers. They probably have a telescope at home. They've dug into it. Maybe they did a university course and they're trying to remember stuff that they learned years back. And mm-hmm. so um, it's usually those guests who, who, who you would end up doing the two o'clockers with that, that spend um, much more time. And then, uh, you, you know, I think the vast mm-hmm. majority of the guests sort of fall in between there where just a little bit of learning the, the sort of normal 20-minute session is fascinating to them. They're not. They're not astronomers. Yeah. They they don't aspire to to digging into the stuff, but they find that little initial segment fascinating. So so I kind of find we have those three uh, groupings, if you would. Okay, so you've mentioned that that there are resident astronomers that come into Sauce's Flame that actually run the program. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? You know. Who are they? How long do they stay at Sauce's Flay on average? How do we source these people? Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll, um, I'll go back to the history. You know, when when the original manager had left, mm-hmm. our occupancies were climbing. We actually were scratching our heads as to how to make this astronomy thing work. At that stage, the guides were doing it. But at the same time, on the earliest mornings, the guides are getting up before four o'clock. Uh, to do, you know, to start their preparation for a flight trip. So that was unworkable, you know, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't necessarily the, the, the next night, it was just too much bouncing back and forth with, with sleep. Yes. So we were trying to think of a way to, to solve this. And it was, um, this was a stage mm-hmm. also where and beyond, you know, Afro Ventures, as it was known in those days, came in. And so there had been some changing around in the lodge. And so we we're trying something. And so we put out some ads on astronomy websites or astronomy newslet- mm-hmm. online newsletters. It wasn't, you know, we, we actually didn't really think that it would, you know, we weren't sure whether it would be something that would work. It was just something we tried and said, you know, would you like to come out to the desert and, and spend some time here? And we had a pretty incredible reaction yeah. almost right from, it, for the first few years, we did no other sourcing than those astronomers that we got from the very beginning. So, you, you know, in the beginning, we weren't that worried. We didn't actually think we'd fill a whole program. We thought we could get these people out for short times or maybe through the busy season and then in the quiet season, we could manage it. But pretty soon we, we realized we can pretty much cover the year oh, wow. and have astronomers out here all the time. 
So yes, our our, mm-hmm. um, our criteria is basically that these people are passionate amateur. Uh, I mean, we we we're we're not um, saying that they necessarily have mm-hmm. to be amateurs, but we tend to find sure. um, professional astronomers often have um, a very specific range of interest, whereas amateur astronomers mm-hmm. tend to be uh, a passionate amateur. Really has dug into all facets of, of astronomy and, and have a, a really broad view. Um, we've even found some of the professional astronomers that we've had over the years have had to kind of come and learn the night sky because they're used to looking through big telescopes and they have a vague idea, but um, the amateurs that are out there doing this, mm-hmm. looking through a piece of equipment like ours, they you know they know their stuff and they're super passionate and they're, they're interesting to be around. Mm-hmm. And probably more at the same level as as the as the vast majority of guests who want to come and um, and experience that. So it might make it a little bit easier for them to relate, almost. Yes, uh, I mean, you know, you'd be surprised that many of the astronomers that are amateur astronomers, for one thing, they're often people with scientific backgrounds and so on. So it can it it is something you have to manage. There are amateurs that are so serious about what they do that they can lose guests you know coming back to that question of how do we choose these people to a large extent our community of original astronomers help us a lot in in making those decisions so we are you know when we're when we're bringing in new people we are sort of having this conversation with them and having this conversation with other astronomers mm-hmm. that know them to be sure that they're the kind of people who can relate to guests and enjoy Very often, the kind of people who we get, like Uncle Doug and Pat that we had at the beginning of this year, they are people who've taught astronomy and, you know, at some level, or or they, you know, maybe it can be club level teaching or or community colleges or something like that. They're often the people that work out the best. And do you find that you have the same people coming back over and over again? Or is there much more of of a turnaround with with new and fresh eyes coming in all the time? Uh, we have had a great deal of stability with the astronomers over the years. Uh, some of the original people aren't mm-hmm. coming out anymore simply because very often the astronomers that we get are retired people. Um, I, I, you know, you, you asked how long they stay. It's typically something like six weeks to three months that they stay out here. So, so it mm-hmm. tends to be... Um, uh, uh, retired people, you know, we, we've yeah. been doing this for for long enough now that some of the people are, are getting a bit old mm-hmm. to fly around the world and, and be away from home so long. So so there's been this gradual change, and so we always have a few fresh faces coming in here and there. But mm-hmm. to a large extent, we have sure. sort of the stable community of people who who are, you know, our our alumni or whatever our our team. And what is it do you think that keeps them coming back again and again from their side? There are a number of things. I mean, they all of them obviously come for the astronomy. Um, so part of the deal for the astronomer is they get to, uh, we provide them mm-hmm. a room. They they um, you, you know they get their meals and everything included. So so uh, they very much fall in as a part of the lodge while they're here. They get to go on on the experiences here and there. Uh, where it works out, and uh, we allow them to use the the telescope. So, um, so for some 
guests, it's more the astronomy. They're all-nighters, so regardless if they have guests or they don't have guests, they up at the observatory all night, you know, trying to get observations of things they've never seen before or haven't seen so well. And, and it's really the, the appeal of the telescope. For others, um, they enjoy the astronomy, but they like, you know, various other things. Quite, we've had three or four geologists, um, so which has been helpful for us. We've learned from them. Uh, but they get out in the day and they're hiking and looking at rocks and whatever. Um, we've had a whole range of interests. So, so, so they're often coming here for, for their own specific interests aside from astronomy as well. Yeah, and it's actually great because it gives you a well-rounded person who can speak to guests, not just about the night skies, but about the broader context, about the lodge and the setting and, and whatever else it is that they're interested in. So it must be quite a good mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been, uh, they they contribute to the lodge in, in quite a number of ways. You know, they're, they're partly just yeah. a different character that comes in, so it's kind of fun for us. They certainly you know, add a, a, a guest dimension that's that's beyond their role as, as astronomer. That varies from astronomer to astronomer, but, you know, so, some of them are, are, you know, often befriending guests and having dinner with guests. Some tend to to not want to do that so much, but um, but certainly every astronomer adds their, their sort of interesting quirk to, to the experience that we have on offer here. Mm. Now, in terms of the observatory itself, um, can you speak a little bit about that and what it looks like and what kind of equipment you have at the lodge? Sure. Um, so, so the the observatory is a little bit higher than the than the rest of the lodge. It's like a little castle behind the lodge, and so we mm-hmm. we're looking out really towards the south because that's what the lodge faces. And so we we do have the hill behind us, which blocks part of the sky. But that's you know since our interest is largely in the in the southern sky, that's really not a, an issue. And so we've got a big telescope up there. It's a twelve inch uh, Mead Cassegrain reflector, and it's um, you know so it's a nice big auto- automated telescope that we can a good piece of equipment for doing general viewing of of the night sky. And the lodge has uh, the the observatory has sort of evolved over the years initially we had a low wall around the observatory and then we wanted to cut out light so we've built kind of a high wall which is why we sort mm-hmm. of jokingly yeah. think of it as a castle now so you don't see any of the lights of the lodge but then we also went a step further and um, one of the famous things of the lodge which in this new refurb is we've kind of gone to town with it of uh, the red lights. so quite early on we took up a suggestion of one of the astronomers, I can't remember which one it was, to change the pathway lights from white light to red light, red light doing uh, you know, le- less damage to your, your night vision. And so we made the pathway lights red, and now we've made all sorts of lights around the lodge red, which is kind of a funny part of the, the lodge now. Mm, bit of a trademark. So you said that the, yeah. that the interest for stargazing from the observatory lies mainly in the southern sky. What is the reason for that? It's mainly because our guests are nor- from the northern hemisphere, so we're we're focusing on things in the south. There are, you know, a, so as as um, for for an observer, there are a couple of things that are pretty cool of the southern sky. 
The one is that we've got the Magellanic clouds. Um, so these big sort of, well, mm-hmm. they're small, but they look big in the night sky, these big blobs um, that, are, that are small galaxies mm-hmm. in the vicinity of our own giant galaxy. So we get a great view of those most of the year. We see the Southern Cross, which is just kind of a fun constellation in the south. A few other things, there's nice um, globular clusters, you know, a few a few nice objects that they don't see from the north. Now, you've spoken a little bit about the red lights and about the efforts to keep any sort of light pollution down. Just for those people who don't quite realize the scale of it, can you speak a little bit about how far it is from Sosa's play to the nearest town or to any other source of light pollution? Yeah, so from the lodge, we are about 100 and I, I guess as the crow flies, just over 100 kilometers from the closest town. And that town is not a big town by any means. So it's, we're a good distance from any town whatsoever. And uh, mm-hmm. there are some other lodges and you know various other things, conservation offices and stuff like that out in the desert here. But they're all spaced out really far. The history of this area, these were, were farms. And the farms were absolutely enormous. They had to be in order to, to try to have a few little sheep um, survive it. Um, and even that really didn't work. But they, they're really big, so, so you tend not to see your neighbors anyway. But our, the lodge, as it's built, we don't, not even way in the distance, we don't see any lights at all f- from the lodge. So there's nothing, nothing obstructing the sky. That sounds absolutely amazing. And of course, the, the Nama brand itself is, is an international dark sky reserve. Is that right? Yeah. So the Nama brand, sort of our, our sister reserve down to the south, um, really through, through mm-hmm. the, the influence of our astronomers, has, um, ha- has been declared a, a dark sky reserve. Uh, many of the reasons that, that I gave originally about why this is such an appealing site but we've done the same here mm-hmm. as they've done throughout the reserve in the south. And a lot of people around are now sort of copying this model. They've gone to, you know, we, we've probably gone to the, the biggest extreme, but um, many people are doing it where you're adjusting everything in order to promote your, your night sky. And that, that's things like making sure that every light that you have in the facility is, is pointing down. You don't have anything shining straight mm-hmm. up. You're minimizing use of lights outside so so dark sky uh, is more than just for more than just for astronomy mm-hmm. it's more than just making the sky pretty there, there's a real conservation impact to light pollution around the world so having these sites you know things like a massive impact that it's had on insect populations which is often the base of a food chain so so there is a real conservation impact a very very real conservation impact to to light pollution. Mm-hmm. And so these sites are meaningful in that way. Mm-hmm. Very, very significant. And in terms of stargazing, is there a particular time of year that's better than any other? Or do you pretty much get good good visibility throughout the year? That's a good question. Right now is absolutely the best time of the year. So I would say it, it's hard to pinpoint exactly because it depends mm-hmm. on on a few factors, but essentially with the buildup of the rainy season, so I said we have very little dust, but where are, when we do have dust, our dust is coming mainly from the east, actually from outside the desert, 
And so the rainy season helps bring the, mm-hmm. the dust down, and that will end in about April. And so even if we didn't have any rain in the desert at all, so long as it rained to the east of us, that's, that's flattening dust, you know, keeping dust down throughout this huge portion of the southern Africa that, that will um, affect our sky. Um, so, so that time after the last clouds have left, but the rains have now finished, we have the best clarity. We also mm-hmm. happen to just be looking at a good bit of the sky that's interesting, full of objects to see. So it's a nice time from, from that point of view. Later on in the winter, we do start getting a little bit of haze wafting across, which also comes from, you know, right across the continent. So, so it does get, the sky gets slightly hazier towards September, October, before the rains kick in again. So yeah, right now is the best. Yeah. So sort of June, July, August is absolutely the ultimate. Yeah. I'd say May, June, July. Okay, friend, and you've also obviously, yeah. with having spent so much time at the lodge, you must have had a couple of experiences in the observatory yourself. Has it inspired you to find out more about astronomy? And do you have any absolute favorites that you just have to spend time going out there and looking at? Yes, I, I um, you know, I started doing the astronomy right from from the early days. So I arrived at the lodge a year after the lodge opened. I'd already been here quite a bit, you know, I worked for the company that opened it. So right from the get-go, I was um, learning and getting interested in the astronomy. Through my connection with the astronomy here during the years that I didn't work here, I managed to do some some other things related to astronomy. And I've kind of got interested in, mm-hmm. in planetary science. So, you know, I'm kind of interested in in dunes. So I've, I've uh, because because of my work here. So I've been really interested in planetary sand dunes like Mars and Titan. Mm-hmm. Can't see that from the observatory, but that's kind of been where my interest has been. I've read up quite a bit about planetary science. So, yeah, I kind of, I mean, to some people, the planets are uh, beginner astronomy, kind of getting serious when you're starting to look at, at distant objects. But for me, the planets are really cool and you know if you've never seen saturn through a good telescope it's pretty cool for anybody it sounds absolutely amazing and i'm sure there's lots of people who can't wait to experience it for themselves now yeah yeah it's such a pity that the sky has been you know as i walked up this morning it was still dark the sky is just looking brilliantly such a pity that we don't have people around to be showing it to right now yeah well hopefully soon enough it will change yeah Thank you so much for giving us an introduction to stargazing and we can't wait to have you back with us to tell us a little bit more about the desert and about the area surrounding Sosos Clay Desert Lodge. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to and Beyond Fireside Chats. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. If you have any comments or feedback or would like to suggest a topic you'd like us to chat about, drop us an email at firesidechats at endbeyond.com. We'd love to hear from you.